Welcome to Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment. Hi there, ladies and gents, and welcome to this next episode of the Sophisticated Property Investor podcast with me, Frank Flegg. And today I have one of our star partners at EPP, Mike Prentice. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm really good, Frank. Really good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I don't think I've ever introduced someone as a star. I might even go as far as to say superstar, Mike. What about that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's all down to the support of you. I wouldn't be where I am without the support of EPP and yourself and, and, and the colleagues. So, I fully attribute my success to hard work following the system and the support of others. Ah, I love how you dive straight in uh, with the compliments, Mike. I love it. I tell you what it is, in my opinion, and we'll get into some of your successes in a minute and also your most recent deal, which I'm so excited about building. I think it's 27, but you can correct me, 27 properties on a Greenfield site. Really exciting, but we'll get onto that in a minute. The reason I think you have seen so much success is because, and you've just said it, hard work. You follow the system. You do the work. You do what needs to be done. And as we know, focused action, you know, (laughs) so long as it's sensible action that's following a system that works, will get you results. It's, uh, It's unavoidable. We talk about unavoidable results. So credit to you for making the most of the opportunity, mate. Not everyone does. So yeah, congratulations. How long has it been since you were last on the podcast, mate? I, I'm certain we've had you on before. Yeah. So I joined EPP. It was around June in 2020. Like I said, we followed the system, had some quite quite good early results. And I think we spoke later in that year. It might have been end of 2020, start of 21. So nearly, so you've been on board 28 months, just over two years. And we haven't spoken to you for just under two years. Awesome. Awesome. That's uh, that's brilliant. So for those that missed that first episode, Mike, we're gathering subscribers every week worldwide. Would you mind summarizing your experience in property prior to June 2020 and then your journey in the last 28 months? Yeah. So before I joined DPP, I hadn't done any, apart from buying and owning my own house, I hadn't done anything of, of any meaning really in property. Um, I joined EPP at, at the point in time I started to look locally. So I was looking at a few opportunities within my local area, but I didn't have the confidence. And as I learned later, I would have made a mistake on those properties um, or the knowledge to do it. So I, I was effectively green when I came into EPP. Uh, since then, I've uh, followed the system. It's been my full-time job. Um, I've been working predominantly in and around South Wales. And over that time, I've predominantly been working with investors, flipping properties. Uh, I've done a few joint ventures with property owners. We call it an assisted sale, whereby a property is not selling on the market. We do work with the property and, and then sell it and we reap the, a, a, an uplift on the profit. I've always had the desire to do developments, which is what's brought me to the deal that we're talking about today. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. And to put it in to numbers, pounds and shillings um, in old money. So you've been working on it full time, what, pretty much from the start for the for the whole two years? Yeah. So for the, for the whole two years, I've been on it full time. You say you've flipped some properties. How many have you flipped? How much money is that put in your pocket, etc.? I know initially you were in a JV and now you've exited that JV and you're flying solo now, which is fantastic. What What's it made you or what have you made in two years? So just focusing on the activity that I've done um, within the Southwest, um, I flipped uh, 15 
properties. On average, I've made about £20,000 per property. So that's £300,000 um, in terms of the sort of direct money from flips on properties. Uh, the one that we're doing a JV on is on the market at the moment. We're expecting to sell that shortly and that will make us in the region of about £60,000 profit. And we've done a few other bits of ops as well. There's another joint venture that we're still on at the moment where we're going to develop the property from a two-bed bungalow into a three-bed detached property. Again, we're still going for, we're going through architects and drawings, etc. But I expect the profit on that one personally to be in the region of about fifty or sixty. Wow, Mike, that is all I can say to that. So you've got three hundred k that you've turned over that you've got in the bank. Plus, you got another 110, 120 in the pipeline before we even talk about this this new deal that you've got going through. Unbelievable, mate. Now, here's a question. You've invested full-time, so call that 40-odd hours a week. Is it 40 hours for you? Because full-time can be 70 hours for some people and 25 for others. What is it actually for you, do you think? There's been times when there's been a lot going on, and I've, I've, I've had to be on the grindstone a lot more than I like to, but the whole reason that I work for myself is to base my life around my kids. So I take them to school or walk the dog. So usually nine to five most days of the week. But again, the whole point of working for ourselves is to hopefully achieve a degree of flexibility at some point. And I'm not a hundred percent there, but nine times out of 10, I'm there in the mornings and I'm there when the kids come home from school in some form or another. And do you work weekends? I avoid it as much as physically possible. Like I said, I've got two young kids. They're only young once. If I have to, I do. But as a general rule, uh, weekends are protected family time. Awesome. I love it. And one thing I say about you, Mike, is you don't deal in um, fluff. You don't deal in hot air. So if you're saying it's 40 hours, I know it's not 60. (laughs) And if you say it's 300 grand, I know it's not 120, you know. So uh, awesome. Um, How much have you invested in order to make that 410 grand that you've just talked about people listening i imagine will be thinking wow to go from a standing start and i'm just doing it i'm doing the sums here right to uh, 410 grand divided by 28 months so that's 14 and a half grand a month to do 15 grand a month from a standing start, now I appreciate the first few months you probably didn't, is unbelievable. And to do 400 odd grand in your first two, two and a half years is also phenomenal. You've invested 40 hours a week in a consistent, systematic manner. And I can attest to that. I've seen you with a singular laser focus, which is unbelievable. And and I want to say to you, Mike, publicly we have partners who hit the ground running and do phenomenally well in their first four six ten twelve months we have partners who come into success it takes them a little while their the personal development journey might take them longer than than others and the first 12 months we see very little progress very little action and then they 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 hit their stride and they start doing deals year two year three is why it's a five-year franchise very few we do have uh, uh, other examples but very few hit the ground running and then can can continue that that trajectory upwards and and with this 27 property deal that you've now got on, on underway you're absolutely doing that so credit to you the question i'm asking is 40 hours a week is one thing but if all you'd done was put 410 grand in your pocket you probably wouldn't have made 410 grand so how much have you reinvested in and if you can break it down brilliant obviously it's only approximate but how much in 
education how much in marketing how much in other stuff i'm just a bit curious you know have you got staff or is it just you i know your wife works in the business now doesn't she yeah she joined uh, she joined in june awesome so how much have you invested in in very in those various different categories mate just to give people a, a true reflection I, I i don't like to sell the dream without also explaining the reality no, I think that's I think that's a really good um, a, a really good thing to do because on paper it's 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 a huge sum of money it's, it's it's a huge sum of money to me and it's a huge sum of money to everyone that I know. In terms of where we started, um, I was in a JV and we had about forty thousand pounds to invest. So you can start this journey without having hundreds of thousands of pounds in the bank. In terms of what we've invested, you've got to invest in in obviously education. So I've invested in EPP. I've sought external education in terms of the developments. I think it's always, if you're going to embark on a new venture, the best thing to do is to find someone that's doing what you want to do um, well and, and and seek to emulate them. So over that period of time, oh geez, you're expecting me to work my maths out now. Um, <laughs> I like to do it in the moment, Mike. If I email it all to you in advance, then you, yes, you'll have the perfect answer, but then people won't hear the thought process etc so i like to keep it real and anyone that listened to my hadrian's wall podcast when i was hiking half of hadrian's wall you'll know that i do keep it real because you you heard everything step by step as i got lost as i weed down my leg my my edit have you listened to that podcast i've had a chance to listen to it yet frank we were were exchanging messages there on the day so um loads of people were messaging me which was really nice actually it kept me distracted from my pain levels but my editor actually messaged me when he was um editing it and he said, Frank, there's this really funny story about you weaning down your leg, but are you sure you want to keep that in? I was like, yeah, let's keep it in. So we, we do keep it real. So what is it um, to the best of your ability of, uh, you know, on the hoof? Okay. So I've invested a lot in my education. I would estimate off the top of my head that I'm probably in the region of about 80 or 90,000 pounds um, between uh, obviously EPP and external education that I've done. I've done other courses around that. Um, we spoke before that I ran a, a rental agency and I had education around that. In terms of ongoing, it has been more of a challenge over the last couple of years with the way the market has been um, to actually find properties. So getting easier now. <laughs> it, it certainly seems, there certainly seems a big uptick. I mean, I I will just quickly mention that this year in particular for me has been a real struggle. It's been very difficult in terms of opportunities that have have, have been coming across my desk and we've been outbid on quite a number of different properties that we've we, we, we've got in some some stuff that people that people are buying properties you know five or ten grand below market value that even conservatively need 25 30 grand spending on them it has made it a challenge but i've always tried and say in the back of my mind that no deal is better than bad deal but going back to your original question like i said i would estimate about eighty thousand pounds in education that's between proper courses online courses i listen to a lot of audio books I, I struggle to find time to read as much as i like to so i've really doubled down on um, on education marketing is is the is the lifeblood of, of, of what we do in terms of finding direct to vendor um, opportunities and so that is a big expense I have reduced that slightly down this year but on average I would say I was spending um, in the region of about three two and a half thousand pounds a month in terms of staff I do have a virtual assistant that um, has been working with me um, she's approximately a fat being a thousand pounds per month she takes a lot of the I don't like to say lower value tasks but 
because I don't live in my gold mine area, there is quite a, you know, it's it's an hour and a half, two hours each way. It, it, you, you're losing an entire day of work. So she does a lot of on the ground running around, uh, particularly from the rental agency side. So £300,000 sounds like you've made a huge amount of money. You can get into it um, with a lower cash investment, but it is an expensive um, it is an expensive game to be in, particularly if you're trying to, to keep pushing forward at the, you know, an aggressive rate, which is what I'm trying to do. That's really insightful for me i'm just totting up the maths for uh, for people at home so um i've gone I'm with the, doing it <laughs> uh, <laughs> so i've gone with a higher of what you've paid on education you said 80 to 90 so i'll call that 90 you said two and a half to three a month i did two and a half uh, which is 70 over 28 months and you said one grand a month for your pa which is 28k that comes to i've done this in my head so i should probably just double check it 90 plus 70 plus 28 is 188. Hey, I had it right. So 188K. So it's it's of that 410, it sounds like 188 grand. Oh my goodness. That's, that's a massive amount. But that's what's created that 222K profit, which is huge. And I know that's not all profit. I know you've got I don't know, travel expenses and printering and phone calls. And I'm sure there's incidentals in there as well. But the thing that a lot of people I think miss is you didn't sit down and write a check for £188,000. You wrote your first check for £2,500 for marketing. And then you got some results. You wrote a check for some education. You didn't write a check for 90 grand. You wrote a check for some education and you got value from it and you got a deal. So then you wrote another check and that 410 grand started to pay for it. If we, if we work it out on a monthly basis and this, and, and you're right to say, Mike, you're investing heavily. If you hadn't invested in that growth, the profit would have been far higher because you wouldn't have probably taken on staff and you wouldn't have done extra education and you wouldn't have done as much marketing. But if we do that on a monthly basis, 188 divided by 28 months, and I like to break stuff down like this because it's reality, isn't it? So you're spending 6,700 per month investment in order to get 14,600 back. So let's take away... 14.6 14.6 from that and that's giving you just under 8k 7880 pounds per calendar month in profit what was your household income like before you started epp mike has that gone up has that gone down oh it's, it has definitely gone up um it was a lot less than that and um, we had uh, we had a a business that we were growing um that unfortunately we had to stop we switched it off effectively with covid and we were earning a lot less than that so our income has gone up massively i think one of the things that really frustrates me, and, and, and I will credit you, Frank, as one of these people that doesn't say this, um, and I think you are very real and you make it clear that, you know, you've got to, it's it's not just about going out and doing a few deals. There's a lot of work in the background that needs to be done, but it's these blooming myths that you see of, you know, you, you get involved in property and it's it's like printing money. It's 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 easy to make so many mistakes. To, to do well in property is a long-term game of steady growth and continuing to invest in what you're doing. You know, you, I don't, I could have probably gone out and not spent money on the education. I could have gone out and reduced how much I was doing on marketing. And I may or may not have done as many deals and brought as much income in, but I wouldn't be sat here with the pipeline that I've got in front of me and the development. And like anything in life, if it's worth doing, you know, it's it's, it's hard work, isn't it? Absolutely. And one of the things you said, I was, I was actually at a mastermind yesterday. Um, I was down in Richmond, London. I was up at half four to get 
to my mastermind on time because I have Monday morning webinars. <laughs> so I do an EPP one, half six to half seven. So I had to stop for that on the on route. And then I do a GeForce, which is my martial arts franchise from half seven to half eight. <laughs> so I had to stop for two. So I was there for half nine. Literally, I walked through the door at 9.28, having, having been in the car at quarter to five, had a whole day and then drove back. I got back at um, 8 p.m. So it was a really long day for me. And on the way down there, I was talking on the um, webinar, I forget which webinar it was now, saying right now, and especially last night, I had a Halloween party on the Sunday night. So the last thing I wanted to do was get up at half four and, and drive down to London. The last thing I wanted to do was get up at half four and drive however i had a road closure i had someone break down right in front of me and put the hazards on and stuff the last thing i wanted to do was go and meet a load of people to just chew the cud but actually and that's all a mastermind really is isn't it it's getting other people's perspectives but actually what i got from yesterday will probably fuel the growth of my business for the next three to six months at least and some of those things will be real gems that grow but also it's the mistakes that I'm going to avoid and you said this right at the start of this podcast you said you know it's better to learn from other people's mistakes and experience and it a hundred percent is there were some things there that I thought oh my goodness I've considered doing that and that person's been doing it for the last two years as put decent six-figure sum into that and have now decided it's not worth doing. Whereas other people, uh, I'll share one of them with you, TikTok advertising, for example, one of the guys spends 25 to 30 pounds per lead on Facebook and is getting equal quality leads for five pounds a lead. Now that is invaluable. And I've just shared it with the whole world for you guys. Anyone that wants to get into TikTok advertising, now's the time to do it. You're the second person I've heard that has said that, actually. Someone was telling me the other day about TikTok and the price per lead is really good. Yeah, really, really good. And and the key, of course, is equal quality. Um, and so now I'm thinking, okay, so how does that fit into EPP? How does that fit into what we're doing? How can we capitalize on that new trend of, of finding? And we did a poll, actually, around the table, how many of us are on TikTok? And some of the guys... I said, no one here is on TikTok. You know, our target market, because they were business to business, is not on TikTok. And a third of, he said, put your hands up if you're on TikTok. And he expected no one to put their hands up. A third of the room put their hands up. And he's like, I'm gobsmacked. I had no idea. I thought it was only teenagers. And and that's the that's the collective IQ that we talk about on EPP, isn't it? It's the learning from other people's experiences. So one thing you said at the start, Mike, you were looking at some properties and you now realize they would have been mistakes. Why would they have been mistakes? What did you learn early on that stopped you from doing those lemons? Because if you had 40 grand in the bank and people tell me all the time that you can't possibly get into property with 30, 40, 50 grand and it's absolute rubbish. You've just proven that you can do 410 grand from a 40 grand start in just over two years. So um, that blows away that myth. But you could have not had enough money if you'd gone about it the wrong way. So how would you have invested that 40 grand incorrectly if it wasn't for your education your epp journey it's funny because it's a house that i drive past on a regular basis it's quite interesting it's just it's always there in my side thinking oh should i shouldn't I? but in hindsight um the house uh, was was going to auction um it was on a, a reasonably good street so it had a decent resale value it was really tired it 
it didn't have anything structurally wrong with it. It would have needed a complete refurb, boilers, walls, carpets, all internals. There was an external extension um, that was falling down that would have needed partially taking down. Ultimately, it was it was overpriced, and I've not yet found a way to make money from a deal that you buy that's overpriced. So, um, I think I think I probably would have made money from it. What transpired was someone bought it that's 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 bought to live in there. Um, when you're competing against people in, in that sort of arena, you know, people that are a, a builder or got time to do self improvement work themselves, they're always going to overpay, aren't they, to get themselves on the market? But fair play to them, they've got it and they've um, they've done a really nice job of it. Actually, it's a really nice house on a big plot. So um, I'm I'm glad for them. I'm glad I didn't go down that route because, like you said, I would have spent a lot of time and not made that much money from it, really. And that's the thing. When you approach things as a sophisticated investor, you start to recognize the opportunity cost of doing deals. You've done 15 deals. Had you done that deal, that deal might have taken you, that development might have taken you 18 months. That might have meant that you'd only done three others or five others as well as it. And although, as you say, you you may have made money on it. So if you'd missed out on 10 deals, you would have lost out lost out on 200 grand profit how much profit do you think there was in that deal it would it would have been probably in the region of about 20 25 and yet might have taken you a year or 12 months and that's the thing isn't it it's um yeah it's fascinating and that's the thing you learn doing this is that there are especially unless you're buying a a relatively modern property and doing works to it there are always unexpected costs um which is you know don't don't get me wrong i've i say i make an average of 20 i've um i've overpaid on deals before and you know then done a lot of work on it and walked away thinking you know i've made eight ten grand on this and it was a lot of work it's not worth it um and and going back to the point you make on on opportunity cost that is Especially when the market is quieter and it's harder to find deals, it is easy to, for stuff to come in and, you know, you get the, the, the shiny penny and you get all excited about it. I imagine everybody could put their hand up and say they've they, they've wasted too much time or bought something that they probably shouldn't have. But it is just sitting back and just, you know, doing your numbers on it because you can be, you know, in this industry, you could be a busy fool. I mean, I don't know if you want me to go into the <laughs> the, the crisis of the rental agency that I started, um, which <laughs> is... Now that you've mentioned it, I wasn't going to, but you can. <laughs> Frank, I, I will just put this out here, Beans, as it's your podcast. You explicitly told me not to do this. <laughs> in, that's why I wasn't going to mention it. <laughs> back in September, and, and for anyone that's listening, do not start your own rental agency. It, it Like you as you said, it, it's... It's a hard job. You you don't get very many calls from tenants saying, thank you very much for a nice property. <laughs> to be honest, it has been a, a, a complete nightmare this year. Um, so essentially, when I sat down and I had a lot of success at the start in, in building a network of investors. So my primary strategy at that point was let's build up some cash, um, wait for the market to move in the favor and then build my portfolio. So why am I giving away 10, 12% uh, on the rental income when I've sourced the property, I've managed the property, I've got the relationship with the investor. I know I'll start an agency and and um, it, it went really well. I did all the training, the accreditation, and the, the training, the accreditation is is really quite um, it's really quite in depth, especially around um, money laundering and client accounts and all of that sort of stuff. And it just gets it just got to the point where it was taking up. Georgia joined the business, and she's spending most of her time dealing with the agency. It was trickling onto me and, and taking up a lot of my time. It was taking up a lot of time with um, my uh, my PA and you know, 10 or 12% for the work you've got to do over the long period. I'm not talking about when tenants are in and they're happy, but when you've got churn or when there's an issue, 
it, it's, I think it's very difficult. I'm happy to be proven wrong by agents that are very, I know some agents are very successful, but on the scale that I would be doing it, it was very difficult to make, um, to make it worthwhile. We were just busy. We're just busy fools with it. We are passing across our properties at the moment to um, a local agent that we've been building a relationship with for the last six months. Um, and they're taking over the, the properties for the investors for us. But um, it is by far the biggest mistake I've made in this business, because I think over the whole time with costs and things like that, I don't think the agencies made me any money. My investors are happy because I provided a really good level of service for them through it, but it has definitely um, been a huge waste of, of, of time and effort that I could have spent at time elsewhere. And I probably would be talking to you about four or five more deals. That is the opportunity cost of having done that, isn't it? And the reason I was so explicit and so definite in advising you not to do it, Mike, is because I'd made that mistake. I had my own rental agency and I've just had a flashback as you were talking to the day that my business partner and my business coach sat down with me and said, Frank, you've got to close the the lettings agency. And it was on um, Fletcher Gate in Nottingham, which is like a really nice street opposite Savile's office. I should go back there at some time. In fact, I'm in Nottingham um, next week for my partner's birthday. We're going out to to uh, world service in nottingham if anyone knows that beautiful restaurant i might walk past it just to show her because that's where my property journey started happy homes that was my uh, estate agency's uh, name i really liked it <laughs> i borrowed it from my uncle he had happy home improvement down in kent i remember saying but these 50 properties we were managing about 50 are bringing me in i was doing it at something like 10 percent, so they're bringing me in about two and a half grand a month in uh, in income i was like i can live on this this is enough for me to live on. But what I was missing that they could see, and this is the benefit of having a, a business coach. I was paying that coach, I remember, £26,000 a year, which, and you think I was turning over in the lettings agency two and a half grand, you know, and you think, oh, the cost of education there. But they could see what I couldn't see, which was I was spending all my time keeping tenants, landlords, et cetera, happy for two and a half grand. And the opportunity cost of that was that I couldn't do the deals that made me loads more. And that's what you're talking about. You That turnover of um, 10 or 12%. What, I imagine your rents are similar, about 500 quid a day, 600 quid, Mike? What, what's your average A little rent? bit higher, about 750, 800. So 75, 80 quid, 100 quid a property. That, yes, it adds up. But if, how many properties did you have? How, how many did you get to? Uh, we got to 27 because we did manage some for another landlord. So that's 100 quid a property and it's possibly a bit lower. But if it's 100 quid a property, that's, that is about the same, isn't it? Two and a half grand. But the cost of that over the 20 months or however long you had the agency is, as you've just said, four or five deals, which is 80 or 100 grand. Well, it's never going to touch that and that's the opportunity cost so thank you for sharing mike it is so important mate but here's the key how long were you going off on a tangent before you realized and course corrected because now you're handing them all over so now you're freeing up that resource of you your wife your pa how long did it take you to realize if i'm a hundred percent honest um I think it's more my wife than, than me that made me make the decision. I had a blocker on it because I sat down and thought, if I do this many properties a year and I add them to the agency, this agency could become a really interesting business in four or five years time. And Georgia, my wife came in and basically started to look at it and said, this is just, this is just miserable. 
um, it's never going to make money. <laughs> um, you're going to have to expand the staff. And yes, if you get to a point where you've got two or three hundred people, you, two or three hundred properties, yes, it probably will be a profitable business. But so uh, we've been working on a strategy to move it across for about the last four months. Um, we've done it very, very steadily and, and slowly, just giving um, the new management company a couple here or there. But effectively, you know, it was two years of, of building that. And actually, when we didn't have a huge number of properties, it, it wasn't horrendous. You know, if you've got two or three properties, unless you've got a tenant checking in, checking out or, or, or maintenance issue, it's, it's not horrendous. It's when you start getting multiple that it goes from, you know, once every month or two, you get a phone call to every week, something crops up. And where I work in, in South Wales, a lot of the properties tend to be older. We're having the typical winter issues at the moment where uh, as everything starts going colder, you start getting problems with different bits and bobs. And it is the opportunity cost of it in terms of the time that it takes. And there's some properties at the moment we've got issues with that you wake up in the morning thinking about them. And it's just, it's not worth it for the money that you're spending. When I could be waking up thinking, what am I going to do today to actually go out and find, you know, another deal? Absolutely. It is interesting. It's, I'll tell you one of the most, um, um, and then we'll get back onto the, yeah, the, your new deal it is fascinating because one of the biggest things for me with lettings, and I do recommend that initially people manage their first few properties, only the first two or three, because that gives you that experience that you need. It gives you that experience of knowing what a good job looks like, because you're, you're always going to be the best possible letting agent for your properties because you earn 100% of the rent. Someone who's earning 8%, 10% is never going to care as much about your property as you are, because you've got two or three and they've got two or 300. But once you've managed your two or three and that's typically for a few months you can then hand them over to a letting agent and you know what to check what to look out for etc so i think that's a good idea but it's never going to be a feel-good business i always say that a florist shop is a feel-good business because people generally come into florist when they're in a good mood and they buy they're buying flowers for a birthday or an anniversary or or whatever yes you do the odd funeral but it's a feel-good business a, a my martial arts business is a feel-good business people come to the club and turn up in a good mood because they're looking forward to doing their hobby but lettings <laughs> is not a feel-good business funnily enough property investing is typically not always but you're solving people's problems you're helping them to move forward so it's a lot more of a feel-good business than a lettings agency for the very reason that you said earlier people tenants don't phone you up and say thanks for giving me a lovely property i'm so grateful you're an amazing letting agent like the number of times I've heard that I have heard it actually oh you're a great landlord but do you know when I hear it I hear it when the letting agent's done an appalling job I get sucked into it so maybe once a year I'll and sometimes a tenant will find me on online and con reach out to me direct or more often than not they'll contact environmental health to moan about the letting agent and we'll get, we'll get a letter and I'll jump straight in and go what on earth's going on right let me go meet this tenant blah blah and uh, so I'll go and meet the tenant and, and of course I can get it sorted because I've got a PA I've got workmen you know I could just make a few calls and all the problems that have been languishing for months get sorted and they and they love me and they go oh you're a great landlord and then I'm thinking I wouldn't be if I had to look after all my properties <laughs> you're only getting this level of service because my letting agents look after every other property so yeah it's fascinating mike it is it is interesting 
But it's interesting, like you said, it's, it's getting to know it. So based on your conversation, what I will is, it's not a mistake, Frank. I've invested heavily in my education over the last 24 months. <laughs> That's it, precisely. You're never going to do a low profit, high time investment um, venture again, are you? you? You will evaluate opportunities in inverted commas far more thoroughly moving forwards. And what a great lesson to learn in your first couple of years yeah absolutely it's, it is part of being part of a wider group i could imagine that if you're out there doing this on your own it can be very lonely and when things come across that you'd be doing this far far longer than me frank but you know even you you talk about you come across things that you don't think i have no idea what this is and then you know you, you know you've got to go off and find advice but if you're on your own doing this it must be quite lonely and sometimes quite scary when things happen. You've not got anyone that you can pick up the phone to and just say, where do I even start to resolve this problem? Or even worse, you go on a property forum on Facebook or online and ask the question and get 20 experts in inverted commas giving you their two penneth worth, none of whom have actually seen it before either. <laughs> I think I've said this before on the podcast. I once experimented with a marketing strategy, which was giving free advice online. And so as you guys, know you pay a lot of money to sit down with me on a, a regular basis weekly and then we sit down monthly in the same room and we do a surgery every single time anyone can ask any question and we I run through the answers to those questions etc and so I think I'm qualified to help people and oh my goodness it was hilarious like I laughed for about two weeks where I was answering questions I just gave myself like 15 minutes a day and I'd go on a few forums and people would have asked there's always people asking for advice and I put my advice on and and sometimes it be a voice note sometimes I'd type it out you know and I'd give it a lot of thought and I'd say you know if, if you want to clarify this at all feel free to give me a call I'm really open I normally put my, my mobile number on there and um, <laughs> it was so funny I'd have like 10 people telling me why it was wrong in the comments and I'd be thinking but I've actually done it and I, I, a couple of times I responded and I said no 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 it really does work I've done it <laughs> like like I, I've got I've got real examples and they were like well prove it and I, I felt like saying I don't need to the person doing you know the person who, who I've given the advice to if they're if they're worried they can pick up the phone and speak to me but like all these people wanted to shoot me down and like try and prove that they were smarter or prove that they were more experienced and, and they may have been more experienced but do you know what I doubt it very much because if they were more experienced, they probably wouldn't be on forums telling other people they were wrong. And after about two weeks, I thought, yeah, but you're the idiot, Frank. You're the one on the forum <laughs> trying, to, trying, to, trying to help people. Why don't you help the people that uh, are actually going to take the advice and actually do something with it? So, yeah, it was a short-lived marketing strategy, but but funny. <laughs> funny. Did you get say. any deals? What was the ROI? Did I? Oh, did I get any clients? Um, no, I think I looked at – I did do a review. I, I I reviewed everyone that I tried to help and everyone who'd commented. It's very hard to see who's seen it, you know, because you don't know how many people have read that and then have Googled me and have then maybe listened to the podcast or the YouTube channel and then have maybe inquired about coming to a seminar. So it's really hard to track that kind of non-direct marketing. I didn't have like a call to action on my signature. You know, I didn't say click here to come on our one day seminar or anything, but I would expect that the ROI was a very round number. 
<laughs> right, let's get on to your deal, Mike. So tell us what you've got going on, because I'm so excited about this. So this is in Wales somewhere. It's not actually in your gold mine area, but it cropped up in your gold mine area. You met a guy at networking. Well, if it goes through, it'll be the biggest deal anyone's ever done on EPP. So tell us about it. Like I said at the start, since I joined EPP, I've always had the ambition of doing ground up developments. My wife and I, we, we've been together since we were um, we were teenagers and we've, we, we were the grand design generation when that was brand new on the TV, watching these amazing houses. And it's always been an ambition to do that. So it felt like the logical step in property that I would do. And so I've spent probably the last 18 months looking at opportunities and quite quickly realized I didn't have the education. So I've, I got the education. And as part of this, I ended up meeting um, my uh, my business partner called Simon, and he specializes in building their eco homes. Um, so they're timber framed, highly insulated, a uh, lot of recycled materials. The idea is that they are cheap and effective to build. When I say cheap, they're not cheap to build. They're built to a high standard, but they're more cost effective than traditional construction methods. But they are highly insulated. Um, they've got solar on them. Um, so the running costs on them are incredibly low. And, and most importantly, which for both myself and George, perspective is that they're, they're kind to the planet we can't keep going as we are and, and expecting the, the, the climate to not make significant changes i met him towards the end of last year when i was introduced to him he was actually looking for investment for another project and i was speaking to him about that from there we had several meetings and um, he then came to me back in i believe it was sort of june time that he'd found this this plot of land um in south wales it's a site that um, has pre-planning on it um it's within the council's local development plan so in terms of us actually getting full planning permission on it it's it's, it's about as certain as you can get for a a plot of land at that stage and so we are going to be building 27 of these eco homes on the site um, ranging from three bed bungalows uh, three to four bed detached houses all of which will be um, as kind to the environment as possible and incorporate energy saving technology to mean that they're, they're they're cheap to run for the people that live in them. What I'd like to do in this podcast, if that's all right, is explore a bit more the journey to this point. So how did you come across Simon? How did you, I know it probably feels funny when you're talking about a JV, but what was your sales process? How did you progress it? Because I know so many people who talk about JVs and talk about JVs and talk about deals and then wonder why they never get any deals. It's because they don't actually close. They don't actually move it forwards. How did you secure this site? Um, and where are you up to? Because then what I thought was we could get you back in a few months time and get like an update from you. You know, this is how we've gone so far. This is where we're we're up to. Does that sound all right, Mike? So like I said, through networking, I met um, I met a chap in my gold mine area, the usual sort of thing where you get a phone call, have a chat, I think there's potential value. So you go and have a coffee and sit down. So the number of people that have said to me, oh, I've got a deal, some of which I've met with and it's been a complete waste of time, some of which I've just gone, ah, that's not for me. What was, how was it described? Like, yeah, what did Simon say to you? So when I first met Simon, he heard put an offering on a on a plot of land and um, it was about two or three miles from our current site and so I went to meet him he was looking for private finance investment and potentially I could have leveraged my network of investors and he was talking about his building techniques um, from that meeting he runs um, a sustainable eco holiday park so I went to the site where I see what he's been building uh, he's got a site where he was in the process of finalizing the builds of four eco homes at that point so I spent the best part of a day with him um, 
it wasn't scheduled for a day, but it was such an interesting meeting where I was learning so much that I <laughs> that we just we just continued into the into the evening. And the way that we left that was I would speak to my network of investors once he provided all of the details in terms of build costs, you know, the facts and figures, um, and that we take it from there. Unfortunately, or or fortunately for me, as the case is, that deal that he was working on that site fell through, and uh, he didn't complete on the purchase of that land. So fast forward a, a few months, and um, I I do some training to improve my expertise on developments and managing them and the project management side. I then decide to reach out to Simon. I think, you know, I, I had a really good conversation with him last time. He's, he seems like a, a nice guy. I'll just pick up the phone and I'll have that very blunt. I really respect what you're doing. Will you teach me to do what you do? Um, and sometimes you've just got to ask, haven't you? And, and his response was, sure, come across. So um, George and I went back across to Wales and we again, we spent the whole day with him and at this point in time, we weren't specifically talking about joint ventures, but he was giving me contacts. This is my architect. This is what I do. Um, these are the materials that I use. This is the supplier that I use on this front. Um, and we essentially walked away with an agreement with him that if we come across our own opportunity, you know, nearer where we live, which is sort of south of Bristol, he would consult and support and help us avoid making mistakes. And at the same time, if we were to come across um, a plot of land in and around Wales, that we would potentially speak about joint venturing. And we kept in touch with him and from that meeting I walked away with a huge amount of, of of knowledge in terms of how he builds I mean to put my cards on the table aside from I'm not a builder of any short um you know any way shape or form and so actually having someone that could consult from that meeting felt reassuring and actually you know you talk about the steps that you take and it, how it increases your chance of success I walked away from that meeting thinking you know our first project is just twice as much chance of us being successful and it because we've got someone that knows what they're doing that can help us um and then fast forward, uh, it's probably about three or four weeks, I get a very bizarre phone call on a Friday from Simon, who basically says, uh, I'm walking for a field at the moment, Mike, I've sent you some pictures. And so we, we continue like this for about 10 minutes. And I go, okay, why are you talking to me about this? He goes, oh, because we're going to do it as a 50-50 joint venture. <laughs> so, okay. Um, so George and I went away, we, we had a quick look at it, did some details and his expertise in what he's doing, the land that we're buying was cheap considering what the opportunity is there. And so we agreed that we'd move forward with it. So it was listed through an agent, but it wasn't advertised well at all. I had to get him to send me the details. I could not find it. And I'm pretty good at Googling things and I couldn't find it. <laughs> That's funny. So it was on the open market, but, but not really. Um, he'd found it then. Do you know how he'd come across it out of interest? Simon lives in the area where the development site is. And he's one of these people that knows everybody. Um, he's incredibly well connected. So that's how it, it came across his desk. What stage have you got to? Have you exchanged on the land? Have you completed on the land? Where are you at? All of the searches have come back. We're just waiting for the TR1, which we're expecting to come across today, stroke tomorrow. Fantastic. So you might have exchanged by the time this goes out then? I'm hoping, yes. Uh, everything's in place, which is good. It's the last stressful hurdle. With the planning side, I don't see that as a massive risk. And a lot of the other factors that are going to come down the road are controllable to some extent aren't they but this is the last bit that's outside of my control and so i'm struggling a bit <laughs> <laughs> um yeah absolutely we've been through a lot of the uh the the risks and how to mitigate them so yeah yeah no i think it's a brilliant deal you're buying the land cash am i right in saying that yes and you've bought in a finance investor so when we talk about jvs you've got a jv with the builder but you've also got a jv with the finance investor so how much of your own money are you putting into building 27 properties so we've put in some incidentals at the start between us which is you know insignificant really probably no more than ten thousand 
£15,000 between us that we've put in to date. Um, we've got a private finance investor that is going to be financing the full cost uh, of the purchase of the land. Um, and they're also providing personal finance to help us cover the costs of getting the land from where it is through to us, hopefully being able to build on it next year. Fantastic. How are you actually going to finance the build? So the build, um, we're going to be speaking to a specialist uh, development finance uh, education that I had on the developer side. They work exclusively, uh, very, very extensively, sorry, with this uh, this company. And so I've been speaking with them and we're getting all of our ducks in a row from that perspective. They like these type of projects because we're not planning on building 22 houses in single go. We're going to leverage existing teams. So we're doing them in, in, in phases. The result of that is that it's quite appealing from a finance broker because they're not risking much of their capital before houses are being sold off and cash is being returned. Mm, Absolutely. But also, because you're buying the land cash the security is there for them as well isn't it so it's it's far easier when you've already got a an asset with planning permission that they can start lending on it it really reduces their risk doesn't it so yeah fantastic mike it's amazing that you are two years into your property journey and building 27 houses and having having spent a fair amount of time now going through this deal with you i am really positive about it you know sometimes you look at a deal and you go yeah it could fly but whew, there's quite big downsides. I look at this and nothing ever ever goes exactly to plan, you know. So I know you love your spreadsheets. I know you love your your projections, etc. You know, um, I doubt very much that any of them will be spot on. But in the same breath, looking at it, I can't see that you're going to be a million miles off either. I think it's a phenomenal deal. Um, what does it mean for you? when you finished the 27 houses and refinanced them and sold the ones you're going to sell, et cetera, what does it mean for you and Georgia and the kids? I mean, essentially, I think one of the points I forgot to mention is that this that we're already using about a third of the, the actual land that we're buying. So the potential is that this site could expand to encompass a lot more of the land. So we could be potentially looking at 60, 90 houses if it goes the way we're hoping. Even at this current phase, it's life-changing amounts of money for us we'll walk away with a skill set that we can utilize to do future development sites but neither of us my wife or i've come from families that have had money we've always had to work hard for what we've had to do and you know there's been lots of times in life that we've really had to run as fast as we can to sort of stay stay in front of um a a, a sort of impending (laughs) impending costs etc but this will buy us um financial freedom not for the rest of our lives i don't think especially not with my wife Life's uh, tastes in life. Um, it will buy us the opportunity to properly put. We'll properly put that money to work. We'll do future development sites. We'll continue to do what we're doing in property. Um, knowing what I know now, there is a lot of people out there coming across very good deals that have got expertise that are searching for money. So there's lots of opportunities for us to actually use our money to help other people um, to, to push deals through as joint ventures, etc. So it does set us up for the rest of our of our lives and actually it's a brilliant skill set to have and to potentially pass over to our our boys that they then can go off and do property whether it's um flips working with investors or, or developments absolutely amazing and am i right in saying that the finance investors that you've brought on board they get a free property out of it was that the deal with, that you've done with them i think that's a brilliant deal of it if i remember that correctly the principle that they're lending for the actual value of the land we will pay them back and um, but there's the interest payments along the side i i've known these um the, the investors for, for for a long period of time and we had a very open and 
honest conversation where essentially they said that they would like a bit more than just the interest payment back. And so we agreed that we would give them a plot on the site. Um, We've also agreed that we will build um, a property on that for cost price. So the cost it costs us to construct it, they will cover that cost. And so from our perspective, one plot off the potential of the entire site is, is minimal. But from their perspective, they're getting a really good return on their investment it makes cash flowing um from our side easier so it's it really is a true win-win from my side and and look you know whenever i go into a relationship like this i'm i always think you know this isn't just a one-time thing and i hope if it all goes according to plan that you know i'll continue to work with these investors in into the future so you're not having to cash flow the interest payments every month um and they're getting a property for what a third of its actual value then Something like that. Would that be accurate? I'm trying to... It's approximately a third of its actual value. Yeah, which is a, a real win-win rather than uh, some some uh, interest rate throughout. Mike, I'm so excited for you, mate. You deserve every single ounce of your success. And are you up for coming on in a few months' time once uh, we've made some progress with the actual build to uh, to update us? Absolutely. And my intention is uh, to try and... I'm going to create a YouTube channel and actually go through this journey um, and so I may use it as a shameless plug at some point in the, uh, in the near future. Absolutely, absolutely. Let us know when, do you know the name of the channel yet or have you not yet created it? We've not yet created it. We're waiting until we're fully, uh, we, we fully own the land. And <laughs> yeah, probably best before you start advertising the, the plot and have 20 competing bids. I think that's probably a good idea, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But like I said, it's really, I think it's really important what we're doing. It's that I think brick and block as an instruction method, you know, is there are better ways, more economical ways, to, uh, better ways for the environment um, to build. And so it's about getting that information out there. And if nothing else, it's just giving people the confidence that, you know, with with the right will and the right people supporting you, you can go off and do this. Um, and just trying to share as much of the knowledge that we gain as, as we go through as possible. Absolutely. Mate, I will be delighted for you to come on and plug your YouTube channel. I'll, I will do all I can to uh, to support the channel. I will look forward to uh, seeing these 27 uh, houses built and potentially 50 or 60 uh, uh, later on in the later phases. So amazing, mate. Congratulations. Ladies and gents, we hope that you've enjoyed this interview between Mike and I. If you have, then please do like and share this episode especially if there are people who you think really want to get into property but as mike and i were talking about um are in danger of making mistakes or are looking for a shortcut um please do share because our mission at ethical property partners is to help people to transform their financial futures in a safe and secure and reliable way which is exactly the journey that mike's been on and you say like people say oh it's you know i'm looking for a shortcut well it's taken mike two years that's that's not a long time but equally you can't do it in 30 days so um if if you know someone please do share this episode with them and uh, until next time happy investing sophisticated property investing a podcast brought to you by ethical property partners the experts in sophisticated property investment